Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back for another episode. And today, you're in for a really big treat, I think, because I have Chris Hoos. Chris is the, I think, founder, but certainly the president of Choose Networks. And he's going to talk to us about his business, how he helps small businesses with cybersecurity, data protection, and perhaps even a little data privacy thrown in. But really, it's a broader conversation of what businesses and compliance professionals, I think, need to be aware of around this issue. So, Chris, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. So, I really appreciate it on your website where you said this was your youngest child at one point. And like many children, perhaps they didn't do things exactly like you wanted, but it seemed to have worked out over the years. So, with that introduction, you really emphasize on your website, the family nature of your business, and not just employing family members, but the way you interact with everyone, customers, vendors, suppliers, people like me. And so I just wondered if you could give a few words about why that philosophy is so important to the culture of Choose Networks. Sure. I mean, you know, it kind of started out that way. My brother was my first employee. So it was kind of a family affair in the beginning. He's still with me and, uh, We've grown our family to 42 people and maintaining that family where you have friends work has certainly intrigued people to stay with us. We're a small business. There's certainly large corporations out there that would pay these guys a whole lot more money for their skills than we can afford to. The culture that we have here is what draws people to stay and our ability to provide a consistent product to our client is required that we keep the same people involved. From a culture standpoint, you know, we talk about things like listening and having positive interactions and teamwork and making people smile and being awesome, things we think about our family members. So it's really built a great culture here. So it really seems to me you articulated business differentiators both internally for your own company in terms of its hires, its employees, but also with your customer base. Would that be a fair assessment? Certainly it is. Um, You know, we are just an extension of their staff. We're their IT department. Most of our clients can't afford to have an IT person, let alone an IT department. So we have to be partners and take a seat at the table and work with them through the good times and the bad. So could you just maybe start with the basics of why are small businesses in such danger of being hacked here in 2019? Well, there's a number of reasons. Probably the biggest reason is, is small businesses have access a lot of times to large business databases through their vendors of a bigger entity. You know, if we look at maybe a machine shop that does work for a large manufacturer, someone like Boeing or Spirit Aircraft. Hackers think that if they could get in through the small business, that gives them a door into another one. The other is, is they know that everybody cares about their data, you know, so if they can get in there and capture data or encrypt it and hold it for ransom, they're going to do that because that's a payday for them. 
Chris, many of my listeners are going to be very familiar with asking vendors, agents, perhaps even customers, background questions or due diligence. But from where you sit, how do you help a small business prepare to answer those questions? If a Boeing, if a Spirit, or if a large manufacturer comes along, how can you demonstrate to them they do have a robust cybersecurity system? You know, it's done through means of we look at those compliance regulations and make sure that policies are in place to answer those questions. A lot of computer vulnerabilities can be handled by training end users and putting policies in place on how they should behave. And then, you know, the technical side's pretty easy. We can show them what technical securities have been put into place. We can demonstrate how they protect data, but it's really you know, the big questions around those policies and acceptable use of a device and can they bring their own device or do they have to use a company-issued one, those types of things. So I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on data protection and the topic was passwords, which I thought was not something that needed to be talked about. But the person I interviewed said, absolutely. Yep. It is foundational to any data protection policy. So I really wanted to use that as a way to introduce What are some of the best preventative tools that you can suggest to a small business to put in place now that I know, including a password? Yeah, passwords are certainly important and making sure you're not writing those passwords down. You know, you walk into just about any office today and someone's got a sticky note with their password written, typed right there to their monitor, having those types of policies. As far as data protection goes, Passwords may not be enough anymore. We may need to look at putting another authentication method, whether that be every time you log in, it texts a code to your phone and you have to put that phone in or you carry a key fob that's got that rotating number on it. Those are certainly things they should look at. But most all data breaches are happen because of a user's error, a human error. That's our biggest threat. So the number one thing that any business can do to help reduce cyber threats is educate all of their end users, all of their employees, make sure they understand to be a little more paranoid when online and using email. Is that part of the business of Choose Networks really to, is an educational function as well? Yeah, we certainly roll that out to all of our clients where We're sending them every week a little two-minute video about some cyber threat or something that they should be reminded of. You know, we find adult learners have a tendency to learn pretty well, but they need to be reminded. So a lot of those videos are just reminders to keep them top of mind, but it happens every week. So I am one who asks these questions a lot of my IT professional and the the outsourced company that helps me. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of the pros and cons you see on storing digital information on the cloud? And should companies be reluctant to do so? Or is that part of a robust data security protocol? You know, it really doesn't matter whether that's stored locally or stored in the cloud. Security still has to be top of mind. The pros are certainly ease of access and being able to get to data where cons are, you're relying on somebody else to protect your data. A lot of times, though, those cloud providers, if you choose the proper ones, are much better at protecting data in their environment than you would be if you were storing it locally on your machine. 
But what we have to keep in mind is we don't want to trade security for convenience. So we may want to make it a little less convenient to be able to get to that data, especially if we're on a hotel's Wi-Fi or a coffee shop. Make sure we're spending a little extra money doing some two-factor authentication or putting additional tools on our laptop to protect us when we're in those environments. So, Chris, one of the personality traits that I'm stuck with is I like to have the coolest stuff. I always wanted to have the coolest car. And when I finally got enough money, I always wanted to have the coolest IT. So I don't really have a lot of outdated operating systems because I buy a new computer every year. But I was wondering, that's, I've come to learn, is not really typical. And that many companies are still on Windows XP if they can get away with it. So, But I wondered if you might give a few thoughts about how an outdated operating system can really cripple a company if it's not upgraded and those upgrades are maintained for security purposes. Sure. I mean, one of the number one ways that hackers get in is through vulnerabilities in operating systems. And they put out an operating system. They don't know what all those vulnerabilities are. There are thousands of hackers that try to find the holes. And every time they breach one of those, the company that developed the operating system understands and they put out a patch. And so doing patching on even a current operating system every week when those security updates are released needs to be done. What happens is, is eventually they quit doing those security releases. Windows XP is in that predicament today. And Windows 7, as of January 14th of 2020, will go end of life and they'll quit producing security patches for it. And when that happens, all the vulnerabilities that still exist that were never found now become vulnerabilities forever. And so you're just setting yourself up to have someone be able to access your system once the next vulnerability is found. Chris, one of the things I find the widest divergent in the corporate world is policies around not only bringing your own device and uh, mobile policies, but such things as flexible work policies, allowing employees to work from home. Some companies are very much in favor of it. Some say, no, you need to be at your desk like you were in the third grade. From the data security perspective, how do you help a company think through those issues? It's all about picking the right cloud provider and making sure that we can secure that. And also making sure that those remote employees are accessing that data from a controlled device, not necessarily their own. And if they do own it, getting them to sign something, giving you the ability to remote wipe and to put your tool sets on it so you can make sure that no one else is listening. Chris, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted to go find out more information about either yourself or Choose Networks, where could they go? Certainly, Choose Networks has a website, choosenetworks.com. Lots of information about us. I also have a personal website, chrishoos.com. They could check out either one of those and get more information. Well, Chris, I really wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, You really explained uh, a basic level of data security that I think a lot of people really need to hear and that they can use that as a foundation to build on uh, really anywhere they might go with that. So thank you very much for taking the time to visit with me today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. 
If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.